Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. Creative Pep Talk helps you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can follow Creative Pep Talk and my work at Andy J. Pizza on Instagram. Let's get into the show. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. So, pretty big announcement here. Uh, man, this is not, it uh, wasn't an easy decision. It took me a long time. I, I mulled over it. I dug into it. I snuggled it. I cuddled it. I got to know it, this decision, <laughs> in an intimate way. Uh, and uh, here it is. There is no fall semester of the MFBA. Dun, dun, dun. I'm doing no fall semester. Is that the end of the MFBA? I don't know. Uh, I'm sure I will do some sort of class in the future online. Uh, You know, there's just a billion. I'm not going to tell you every reason uh, just because I don't want to waste your time and attention. But I will say, first of all, Massive thank you to the 20 people that got to participate in this program. Uh, We got to be really close, and it was a phenomenal experience. It was a crazy adventure, and it was amazing to get to collaborate with you guys on such a deep level with your career. Um, I'll never forget it. 
You guys are awesome. I will be cheerleading from the sidelines until uh, the end of time for you guys. So thank you guys for going on that journey with me. And it was super special. Maybe so special that it'll never happen again. We'll see. Uh, I don't know how all that is going to play out. Um, but here's the deal. Here's the thing. I felt like... Um, I needed to go through that process. It was awesome to work out all of these concepts and ideas in real time with real people, with real creative careers. But I'm, I'm at a point right now, full disclosure, where I'm like, A, extremely busy. B, I have this content that I've been working with through teaching at art school, teaching this MFBA, doing these personal pep talks, and I've been laser focusing this content. And I feel like at this stage, I need to buckle down, focus on turning it into a book, a resource for more people, a concentrated um, piece of information that boils down the core components and process of this podcast and this content. Um, before I can really do anything else. I just feel like I've got to get that thing done and then kind of see what other doors open up from there. Um, so that's the announcement. Now listen to this. In the next couple weeks, I am going to be opening up different versions of the personal pep talks. Uh, they sold out. The summer one sold out really fast. Um, they were really awesome. This was some of the best stuff that I feel like um, I've got to do and it was just super awesome. Um, but uh, I'm going to open up kind of two different versions of that probably in the next couple weeks depending on my schedule. So keep your eye out for that. Right now they're sold out in the shop. Um, and if you follow, if you go sign up to the newsletter on creativepeptalk.com, uh, if you just click newsletter at the top or um, there's a button that says get access to the first 50 episodes that aren't on iTunes. Um, you can sign up to the newsletter and I will announce when there are those personal pep talks open. Um, yeah, so, okay. Dudes, thank you guys so much for the love and support and all the people, uh, the many, many people who apply to the MFBA. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get to take part in that, but thank you for um, supporting it and all the interest and all that jazz. Um, and we'll see where this road takes us. Guys, I'm super freaking excited about this next season of Creative Pep Talk and the book and all the stuff that I'm trying to do next. Uh, okay, let's get into this episode. So a couple of months ago, I released an episode of the podcast about burnout, and I had just gone through a pretty serious bout of burnout, probably the most serious I can ever remember. I was, I think, for the first time, genuinely burnout, where I, you know, I forgot why I, why I cared about all of this so much because I was so busy. I spent a lot of energy um, doing some projects that were kind of outside of my natural energy wheelhouse and it just ground me down to the bone. And I was just in a, I'm, I'm be, you know, really honestly in a pretty dark place. Uh, and I was just raw with emotion and uh, all that jazz. And one of the things that pulled me out of that burnout was this interview with Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes is the host of the You Made It Weird podcast. He also has a show on HBO produced by Judd Apatow called Crashing, uh, about being a stand-up comic, crashing on other comics' couches. Um, 
And there was this interview where he's talking about writing this show, coming up with the idea for the show, finding that hook, you know, that hook of called crashing. It's called crashing because he's crashing as a person and he's also crashing on comics couches because he just uh, divorced his wife and she was financially supporting him. And so he talks about the process, the creative process of coming up with this idea, coming up with the hook, working with Judd Apatow, you know, the brain dump and the writing sessions and the guidelines and the frameworks for what makes a good story, you know, things like every episode episode has to have one central idea and every scene has to serve that idea and he's just going deep 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 into this deep process this deep creative process and he's talking about this really high level uh, creative work you know stuff for a major network that has to has to prove itself it has to get the critics to like it it has to pick up an audience and it's just this it, it's just this world of creativity that most of us will never uh, play with, will never be in that kind of uh, arena, right, creatively. But hearing this dude talk about this situation was the key factor, I think, to lifting me out of burnout because all of a sudden I realized what I was in these waters trying to do in the first place. And it was the depth of how deep you can dive into creativity, how powerful creativity can can be, how far you can go in your career. Just the, the sheer depth was inspiring to me. And in this episode, I wanna challenge you and I wanna inspire you to see your own potential to dive deeper. I'm asking you, are you playing it safe in the shallow waters of creativity? Are you playing it safe in the shallow waters of your creative career? Are you just trying to look for all the low-hanging fruit? Is it all form, no function, all aesthetic, no content, no risks? Are you a copycat because you're not risking something original? Or you are you a cool cat where you're so original that nobody could possibly challenge you uh, as being a copycat? Like you play it too safe by being so original that nobody can even critique it because there's no basis to critique it. Um, but that doesn't actually lead anywhere interesting. That's a totally different way of playing it safe and shallow. Uh, are you in the baby pool of creativity in any way? Just skimming the surface with the, with the least risk. And if you are, here's the thing about the baby pool. Here's a bit thing about the shallow end of the pool. It is super crowded. It's so crowded. There's so many people in that part of the pool um, with, with the low-hanging fruit and the shallow waters of creativity. And it's just going to be so difficult to break through and make it a connection with your audience in that noisy, crowded, shallow end of the pool. When I was... I think I must have been five years old. We moved into a house that had a pool and uh, we were thrilled about it. I was super excited about it, but 
I really only, even though I knew how to swim, I really only wanted to stay in the shallow end of the pool. But we had this sweet diving board that went into the deep end. And uh, I just couldn't get the courage to jump in. But then one summer, my cousin Devin, <laughs> that sounds like a cousin, doesn't it? Uh, Devin is such a cousin name. My cousin Devin was over uh, swimming in the pool, hanging out, and I just thought he was like the coolest person in the world. He had long hair, and as a like as a young boy in the 90s, long hair was like the coolest thing ever, and I was not allowed to have long hair. And, uh, you know, he was splashing around in the deep end and I was totally jealous but and he was like come on man you know how to swim and I was like I'm I'm okay I'm feeling a little bit afraid actually to go over there and he was like look man I'm gonna let you in on a secret and he took off this beaded like leather necklace <laughs> uh, with, with this little like weird circular charm thing. It was like just, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it was a 90s leather necklace uh, and man's necklace. And uh, he took off his necklace and he said, look, this is actually, I haven't told anybody this, but this is a magic necklace and it holds the power of bravery. And when you put it on, you're gonna have so much bravery, you're not gonna just go in the deep end of the pool, you're gonna make a giant splash off the diving board. I'm certain of it. Do you wanna wear the necklace? And I was like, absolutely I do. <laughs> and so he gave me the necklace and I was like, yeah, full of bravery, went, jumped on the diving board, splashed in the pool and the rest was history. Not because I got, you know, had to go to the hospital because I almost drowned or anything, but just because I swam in the deep end from that point on. And I was so crazy about this necklace that I actually snuck it in on picture day in my first grade pictures. And in my first grade yearbook, I'm wearing the magic pool necklace. And this episode is your magic pool necklace. <laughs> I hope that after this episode, you will believe in yourself to the point where you're willing to go into the deep waters of creativity, the deep waters of your creative career. Let's jump in. Okay, so what is this uh, deep waters thing all about really? What am I talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about taking risks. The people that take risks and win are the people that get to go in the big fights in the creative world. To not speak in metaphor for one second, what I mean by that is, you know, if you're an editorial illustrator, it looks like going for the non-obvious concepts, digging super deep into the sketch phase, into the thumbnail phase, pushing outside of your boundaries, trying something new, trying something you're not sure is gonna work, spending extra time in the concepting phase, even when you are not sure if you're going to waste a lot of that time because nothing productive is going to happen. Uh, it looks like 
trying out platforms that other artists aren't using and that there's no clear way to monetize and there's no uh, there's no guarantee it's going to work out. It's not going to necessarily pay off trying new things like that. Wasting time, investing money into your career, uh, trying uh, types of creative work that are especially difficult, you know, trying to learn how to tell stories that actually move people to tears or laughter. You know, not just taking the avant-garde approach that says, you know, uh, this thing is so conceptually uh, above everything that it's above reproach, it's above even um, critique, and it's so high level that nobody can really get it. I'm talking about the creativity that's hard to master, that when you get up on stage or when you make the song or when you make the illustration, it really moves people's souls. That kind of creative risk, that kind of creative work. And we're talking about careers. I'm talking about charting a career path, making up jobs, being an entrepreneur, trying to figure out how to monetize something that's never been monetized, trying to combine different, you know, trying to combine different industries in new and unusual ways. Doing things in your career and in your creativity that risk time, money, investment, sweat, effort, taking risks when you're not sure how it's all going to play out. And it's incredibly important to do so or you don't get the spoils. You don't get the big payoffs. Anybody's willing to take virtually no risk and play in the shallow ends of these pools. And uh, that's what I'm talking about specifically. Now, I love this quote. I heard it from Brené Brown. You can go watch her TED Talk. It's uh, one of the most famous TED Talks ever. It's about vulnerability, which is essentially about taking risks. And this is a quote. I'm quoting Brené Brown, quoting Teddy Roosevelt. Here it is. It says, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat." And I love this quote. It's amazing. It's exactly what I'm talking about today. Are you doing creative work that's putting you at the risk of social critique? Are you doing work that risks your skin? Are you doing work that shares your core values, who you are as a person? We're watching Parks and Rec again. uh, And uh, I love, we just watched the episode where April is trying to discipline Donna because she's now her employee at the animal control shelter. And uh, she does so by anonymously leaving a review on Yelp. And Ron hears about, Ron Swanson, who's just like this 
if you don't know, is just a crazy bacon-eating libertarian guy who has these strong morals and values and personal integrity. And uh, he finds out about these online reviews and he writes his own reviews, but he signs all of them with his name. And he says that if it's something, everything that you believe needs to be something that you would sign your name to. And is your creative work deeply held in your soul, something you're going to sign your name to, something you believe in, something you're going to risk humiliation over? That's the kind of work that we're talking about. And so if we know that this is the only kind of work that leads to a a great creative career over a lifetime, not just a, you know, some fireworks at a, a small moment in time where you have this overnight success and it fizzles. I mean the stuff where you're moving people, you're connecting with an audience over a lifetime. We know it's the work that risks stuff, right? So why don't we do it? What are the things that hold us back? Well, one of the things I think that gets in the way that is kind of a... Um, a weird misconception. It's not even fear. It's just that we think that creative work should be effortless. We think that, um, you know, because these masters get up in front of us and they play the piano with such ease and beauty, or, you know, we listen to this song and it just sounds like it just, you know, exploded from the heart of this musician, just, you know, that that it just wrote itself. We think that great creativity should be effortless. And so we're always looking for that, that stream that where we jump in and it just feels completely natural and everything's easy and we're just this creative, talented genius that's exploding this amazing work without barely lifting a muscle, so to speak. But the truth is that we don't often know how the sausage is made in terms of other creatives, how much time and toil and sweat and energy they have to put into their work. We really don't get to see that. By the time that they share it with the world, often it's this packaged, practiced, prepared, the three Ps, if you will, uh, off the cuff, uh, came up with the three Ps. We see that in action and we assume that they are just this freakish prodigy that's just uh, you know insanely naturally talented and that we need to find the work that just comes to us that easy but the truth is it hurts that that just like love hurts sometimes <laughs> creativity hurts sometimes I really believe this and I'm not alone but I do think I'm in a small group of people and I think the further you get in your creative world the the, the more you realize that your best creativity is going to come at a cost it's going to come at uh, come with struggle and strain and duking it out with your own brain trying to come up with great ideas. Uh, And I think that's another reason we don't get in the ring because it just hurts. It's just uncomfortable. It's a struggle. You know, wrestling with the unknown, saying, I don't have the idea for this project and I'm not going to just come to the, I'm not going to just settle for a crappy idea because it's the first thing that came to mind. I'm going to go on a two hour walk and take as many notes as I can, brain dump all of this stuff and wait to see if there's any nugget. And if there's a nugget there, then I'm going to take that and I'm going to exercise that nugget even further. 
until it's something fantastic. And the great creatives that I look up to all describe their process this way, yet it's so different to what we think of as, as what a, a creative genius looks like. We, uh, you know, if you look at people like Chappelle, uh, Dave Chappelle, this master stand-up comedian, if you look at one of his uh, latest Netflix specials, at the beginning of the show, it just shows him at a, at a table staring off into the distance and Morgan Freeman is doing this voiceover, right? And it's saying that this is Dave Chappelle's creative process. Literally, you know, this confused look on Dave's face, which is just like working out all of these associations, brainstorming, contemplating, really deeply thinking about the work for a long period of time and taking notes and working it out. And then even in, in creative, uh, with these stand-up comedians, you see it, the pain of all of these people then have to take that raw material and go take it into the stand-up uh, comedy cellars in New York and LA and get up on stage and get booed or get no laughs with that new material because it's, it's not so good the first time it comes out. And uh, I think that we neglect to see that strain. And actually, uh, I think in our culture, we have an adverse opinion about thinking at all. This thinking that is required for great creative work, I think we've been trained by society not to do it at all. And actually, I challenge you, anytime you really start thinking about something, thinking about a piece of work, thinking about your career, and you really start pondering it, and you discuss it with anybody else, I can almost guarantee you 99 times out of 100, their response is, not why are you thinking about that or it's good to be thinking about that. Their answer is going to be don't overthink it. And I think overthinking as a term and an idea comes from a society that was built on the industrial revolution, that was built on productivity, not creativity, that was built on People being cogs in a machine that need to be doing the same thing over and over and over. And when they start thinking, it actually kills productivity. They need to just be an automated robot that doesn't think. And I just think of all the movies of that benevolent, seemingly benevolent dictator at the top of this organization. And some guy walks in and says, you know, boss, I've been thinking. And the boss is like, whoa, 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 thinking, settle down now. Now, don't hurt yourself with thinking. That's not going to lead to anything good. Come on now. You have a fantastic situation down on the factory line. Get back down there and I'll bring you a nice cold beverage and just get back to work and quit with all this silly overthinking. And I honestly think <laughs> that this notion that any real giving over to serious problems is called overthinking is holding so many of us back. This obsession with productivity is holding back our ability to be creative. 
because creativity by its very base nature requires lots of unproductive time. Lots of time hitting your head against the wall, drawing a bunch of sketches, trying a bunch of things that don't work. Therefore, everything that you do that doesn't work isn't considered productive, but ultimately leads you to better solutions. And so in the end it is productive, but the process doesn't always look so. And I think this American, Western, whatever you want to call it, I think it even goes back to Egyptian times with the Israelites as their slaves, producing bricks, produce more bricks, produce more bricks, produce more bricks. Don't think about it. Don't stop. No Sabbath when you're in Egypt. And I think this mentality has seeped deep into our soul. I don't know if seeped is the past tense of seep. It sounded weird coming off my tongue, but that's all that comes to mind. Sept, I know that's not right. <laughs> but, but this mentality of productivity has permeated everything in our culture. And I think it's uh, a poison to that deep work of creativity. Two resources you can check out about this idea of deep work. One is a talk by Jad Abumrad on 99U called Gut Churn. He's one of the hosts and founders of Radiolab, the podcast and radio show. Uh, it's like a science radio show. And he talks about gut churn and the science behind the fact that when you are working out an innovation, when you are really being creative, you're going to feel it in your gut. You're going to feel the uncomfort of not knowing the answer, of sitting in the unknown. And that feeling often, often feels like we're going the wrong way. I would argue it. we've been conditioned to think we're going the wrong way if we're, if we're actually thinking. But then often just the pain and the struggle of feeling uncertain is something we run away from and why we don't get to our full creativity. And then there's a book by a guy called Cal Newport uh, called Deep Work. I haven't read the book, but I've heard him talk about it a lot between podcasts and videos and all this and I'm so obsessed with this idea and I know all of my best creativity has come from what he describes as deep work, diving deep on these problems that you can't Google the answer to. And I think there are so many of us out there these days that we think if there is a question that we have that Google can't answer, then that means there is no answer because there are so many answers on Google. But instead of seeing that as an obstacle, it's really an opportunity for innovation. If there's no answer, maybe that means there needs to be a new app for that. Maybe that needs to be a new product. Maybe that means you need to answer that creatively. And I think we were raised to be these people. There's another book uh, called uh, Excellent Sheep by Bill who, and his last name, I don't know how to pronounce, I'm not even going to try it, but it's called Excellent Sheep. And that whole idea is that, you know, the people in the Ivy League schools, that they're basically trained to be amazing at following and regurgitating information instead of problem solving, instead of creativity, instead of free thinking, because free thinking actually challenges the factory. Because free thinking actually leads to your own freedom and you can't be a cog in someone else's machine. It's so interesting because the people that were free thinking enough to start a new business, to create this factory, some of those people go on to empower other people to, to success and, and new ideas and new businesses. And some of those people use that power to 
control other people and stop other people from free thinking so that they can have it all. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I think we avoid getting in the ring is that we just don't know how to gut churn. We don't know how to deep work it out. We don't know how to do the actual montage. You know, in the movies, uh, in the movies, this gut churn, this deep work, we skip it in like 30 seconds. If they actually showed Rocky working out, the movie would be like six months long, right? And it would be the core focus of the film. The most important part, the most important chunk is the part that we skip with a fast 80s tune. But that's the deep work and that is the key to your creative career success. And I think you see it in all of the creative greats. Sufjan Stevens, one of my all-time favorite musicians, one of the most critically acclaimed musicians over the past, um, you know, however many years. This guy, his biggest album, Illinois, come on, feel the Illinois. Uh, this guy wrote, he, he released this album, it was like 20 songs long. Uh, it was already this magnificently epic uh, album all on its own. Come to find out, he then releases a, a B-sides version of the album that has another 20 songs. So he wrote 40 songs for this album. The, the, the song that is the, the primary single of the album, Chicago, he recorded another four times before he released the album. Uh, and, and, and did different arrangements for it and tried all these different things. It was his breakout album. And you look at the amount of deep waters that he swam in to get it right. Yes, sometimes you get that flash of intuition, you get that flash of inspiration, and you have that song that writes itself, but that is the exception to the rule. When the muse shows up in that way and it just delivers this sweet pile of goodness, fantastic, that's great. But you can't become a great over your entire lifetime with a lifelong uh, body of amazing creative work without figuring out how to dive in the deep work when that doesn't happen and come up with something fantastic anyway. And that's what we're talking about today. Um, you know, I could go on and on with a list of, you know, these people, Christoph Neiman, the illustrator, he describes his process the same way. You know, you look at uh, Christopher Nolan, who spent nine years on his baby Inception, which is one of my favorite films, even though I know tons of people say that, but I just really like dreams and, and all that jazz. But anyway, here's a guy who spent nine years on that film, which is one of his biggest films to date. Uh, and uh, this is why I think so many of us avoid jumping in to the pool, but uh, I can assure you that it's where the action really takes place. Just one other reason why I think uh, that you might not be jumping in the deep waters, uh, just something I want to identify so that we can tackle it head on is this idea that we don't get in the ring because we might get knocked out or we might have got knocked out before and it didn't feel too good and we don't want to get back in the ring. Uh, personally, I have been knocked out in the ring, so to speak, and uh, it's, a t it's one of the worst experiences of my life. You know, being humiliated, being, uh, you know, having that level of um, 
pain is not something that I was quick to relive. And I'll just tell you a quick story about a time when I got knocked out creatively. Uh, it was way back in the day. It must have been around 2010 probably. And I got invited to go do this talk. And it was one of the first, I think it was the first professional talk that I'd ever done. And you know, in high school, I was pretty good at talks. Like I could get like A's on oral book reports of books that I never read um, just, just by being silly. I remember there was one, this one time where I really bought, brought this intensity. I went up to the podium and I banged the podium like Dwight in the office giving his speech and, uh, I, and just like, you know, gave all of this uh, uh, this speech with such gusto and I hadn't read the book. I don't even remember how I knew anything about the book. Um, but you know, I was able to kind of, uh, do these talks, you know, and I felt good about it. I liked doing it and it kind of had served its purpose. And so I was always kind of hoping that I would get invited to do a talk and I thought it would go pretty well. And, you know, I was excited about the opportunity. I laid out my slides and, uh, you know, kind of just had an idea of what I want to talk about. And it was one of these fast paced talks. I think it's Pechakucha or Pachachka. There's multiple ways of saying it, but it's just basically like, I think it's like a five minute talk in each slide. It's like 20 slides, 20 seconds. I don't know if that math adds up. It sounds right. Um, what I was doing, uh, I was preparing for the talk, drove to the talk and into the city and I knew that the, that this format was like casual where people might be like talking a bit while you're doing the talk or whatever, but nothing had prepared me for what that experience was going to be like because I thought I was going to get up, talk about my indie rock coloring book and just kind of talk about the process, talk about what I learned from it and, uh, you know, what takeaways I had and what the experience was like. And, uh, when I got there, it was like this really rowdy bar scene. And uh, there I was like 20 some years old, early 20s, uh, got up to talk about my indie rock coloring book. And I started talking and it just got louder and louder and louder. And everybody, no one in the room was looking at me while I'm in front trying to give this presentation and I am just dying on the inside, humiliated. And I tr and then I think, you know what, I'll get sillier, I'll get crazier, I'll add some pizzazz to try to get their attention. And no matter what I did, no one shut up, no one looked. And with every effort that I gave, it took another part of me. And uh, I was just so humiliated and crushed. I walked off the stage and I was trembling and I drove home and I told my wife, I broke down, told my wife how it went, how dumb I felt. Uh, and I basically at that point thought, I hope that I never have to give another talk again. And honestly, every other kind of side opportunity that came my way in that vein, I really approached with severe caution and I showed no vulnerability. I did a few talks in that time in my life that were very straightforward about my illustration work, no frills, just talk about my client work and my process and get out of there. And, uh, 
then along came this this uh, local talk opportunity that I had with some people that were close to me, and I think I felt a little bit safer in that environment, and I thought, I'm going to open myself up again and try to do a talk that I just lay my heart on the line and I give it everything that I got. I dove into the deep waters of trying to make a powerful talk. And that talk was scary, but I did it. And it went so well that it was the catalyst, the exact catalyst to creating this podcast and everything that I've been doing over the past couple years. And so I just want to encourage you I know what it's like to get knocked out. I know how those knockout moments can control your lifetime. But I'm begging you to please get back into the ring. So, in your journey and your creative journey, you know, I want to ask you, are you looking or are you really looking? Like when I send my kid in to, uh, you know, get something out of the fridge and they go and they go in there for one second and run back and say, there is none. There's none left. And I said, did you look? And they say, yeah, I looked. I just looked. I said, did you look or did you really look? They're like, I really looked. And so then I walk in there, open the fridge, uh, you know, move the milk jug out of the way. And there it is. There's the orange juice that was missing, that was so hard to find. And I think sometimes in our creativity, when it comes to our career, when it comes to finding a new innovative way to make money, you know, this podcast, I've realized it's as much about creative careers as it is a creative approach to your career, finding a way to not just fit into the world, but make the world a good fit for you. And uh, that, that, this podcast is so much about that, um, just as much as it about making, earning a living from creativity. And so when it comes to innovating and how to earn a living, what a career could look like, what a lifestyle could look like, what, uh, you know, what the concepts that you come up for, for your jobs and your songs and your movies and uh, all of that stuff, are you looking Are you just like thinking, what idea do I have today? Oh, I've got this idea. I can work on that. Or are you looking at these dots and you're saying, okay, there's no obvious connections that are happening, but I am diving deep and I'm going to try some things that might not work. I'm going to try some aesthetics that might not work. I'm going to push it to the max even if I get knocked out. And then if I do, I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to get back into the ring. And I think sometimes I can run the risk of this podcast sounding like, come on, do more. You're not enough. You're not enough. But when I say that you are more, it's not because you're not enough. It's because you already are more than you realize. The people in my life, the creative folks that, uh, that are in my life, 
99 times out of 100, the reason why they're not where they want to be has nothing to do with their level of talent and their level of skill and their level of potential. And it has everything to do with not believing the potential that they already have. You know, I was at this uh, conference over the weekend called Making Midwest here in uh, Columbus, and I spoke about Harry Potter and Voldemort and all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, Marshall Shorts spoke, and uh, he was raised in this church home, and he talked about there's this uh, scripture about faith without works is dead. And he kind of gave a new interpretation uh, interpretation to this scripture that just blew me away. And it was this idea that you will only work as much as you have faith to believe that it will pay off. And often the reason why I see creatives not diving as deep as they need to to get where they need to go is they don't believe they have what it takes. They don't believe that that work will pay off and take them somewhere interesting. And so this talk isn't about, come on, man, you're not enough. Keep going. Pick it up. Let's jump into the deep end. This is about you are so much more than you give yourself credit for. You have an incredible untapped reservoir of creative energy that you're probably only skimming the surface because you're trying to stay safe. You're not willing to go vulnerable. And I've seen this th same thing show up in my own life. You know, when I first graduated from college, I had kind of the new blood thing happen where I was the new guy on the scene, got some lucky breaks, got some cool jobs. But about a year later, everything dried up. And I mean everything. Whereas from the time I graduated for a year, every month I made more money the following month than I did the previous month. And it just leveled up, leveled up all for an entire year after I graduated. And then it just dropped off. And I didn't even get any jobs for like six months. And I was shattered. I was broken. I had thought that I'd made it only to find out that I was light years away and possibly such a distance away that I would never be able to make it work. I would never be able to uh, be a, the dad that I wanted to be and the husband that I wanted to be and the creative person that I wanted to be. And something had to go. Someone ha something had to go and, and something had to happen to pay these bills and take care of my family. And my dreams were crushed. And so I literally gave up. I took down my website and I didn't even go get a creative job. I, I had, had a part-time graphic design job before that. And I, it was too, I was too emotionally raw to even do any kind of creativity of any kind. And so I took down my website, I got a job as a youth care worker at a youth shelter, and I genuinely, at that moment in my life, gave up on my dream. And, uh, and I really tried to make peace. And there was good things about trying to make peace in that place. You know, trying to find my identity other places than just my career and my creativity. 
And, you know, there were good things to kind of coming to terms with the fact that I was not going to be a full-time creative. I was not going to be a person that went out and fulfilled this wild creative destiny that I thought that I had. Um, and, you know, it's probably what I needed at that point in my life. But I was so depressed. And there were these moments where I was literally lying face down on my living room floor. If you've listened to the podcast often, that's a reoccurring theme. I haven't done that hardly at all for a few years. I've been in a really good place. But those early years, there were these moments where I was in agony when I didn't know how I was going to pay the bills. I, I I, I looked into my future and I saw nothing inspiring and I saw zero creativity because I'd taken down the site and I'd packed it in and I gave up and I was really, truly hopeless in those moments. And I just watched Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man. Not then, but now. I just recently watched Spider-Man for my brother's birthday. We went out to a late showing of Spider-Man. And uh, my favorite part of the movie, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but there is a part which happens all the time, so it's not a spoiler, where Spider-Man is totally depleted, literally being crushed, and he's like crying like a 15-year-old baby. He's a 15-year-old in the movie, and he's just acting like a whiny teenage uh, kid who's being crushed, and he's sobbing and he's hurting, and he's got nothing left to give. And in those moments when I'm lying down on my living room floor with no creativity in sight, no future in sight, I felt like Spider-Man getting crushed. But there was this thing, this belief, this faith that slowly but surely started to well up in me. And, it's, and some part of me wants to believe it's a cosmic force. Part of me wants to believe that there's this level of timeless consciousness that I'm sending back from the future saying, Andy, get up, man. You are more than this. Get up. Get up off the floor and start working. Start getting on that creative work. There's stuff you're here to do. You're going to work for Nickelodeon. You're going to make books. You're going to create a podcast that brings pep to thousands of people every week and they need you. Get up off the floor. Give it another shot. Get back in the ring, man. Come on. This is not the end. And eventually I did get up off the floor and I was determined that I wasn't going to wait for any lucky break. I wasn't going to wait for everything to just work out on its own terms. I was going to do a Forrest Gump move where I was just going to run and run and run and run until somebody threw me a bone and said, hey man, why are you running? And so I decided to create a project where I posted a new uh character every weekday for a year and I thought if I just put in this time and energy and this deep work something good's going to come from it either my style's going to adapt into something fantastic and fresh and new or I'm going to get some cool opportunities or something but I can't lay on the ground anymore and I can't just pack it in because I believe that I'm here for something bigger than just not thinking just being the person on the factory line <laughs> 
And I actually think even whether you consider yourself a creative person or not, I believe creativity is at the core of what it means to be human, to come here and have this consciousness that has this ability to see things that have never been seen and make things that have never been seen and use this creative energy to create our world and craft our world and collaborate with the universe and breathe new things into life. And I, and I challenge you to believe, just believe on a micro level that you can dive deeper on these pieces of work, these songs you're writing, these illustrations you're making, these logos you're making, whatever it is, that these individual things, there's so much more you could wring out of your creativity. You could draw twice the amount of thumbnails and dive deeper on the concept and get deeper in the final sketches. and tap into deeper waters than you've ever tapped into and on the mic on the macro level in your career as a whole as the giant project of your life the work that you're here to be doing you could be innovating you could step out onto a path that you currently wouldn't be ready for if you step onto a path like right now I'm on a path where I want to be a guy who's writing nonfiction books uh, that I've never done that before and doing these bigger talks and these bigger arenas that I'm not ready for the person that I am today can't do it but the faith that I believe that if I get on that path and I step by step do the deep work I will become that person because I have the raw potential I just need to do the deep work, put in the long hours, put in the time over the next five to 10 years and I will get there. And today I want to encourage you to step out in faith in your potential and put in the work that's going to get you there because I believe that you are more. So that wraps up another episode. Real quick, got a little homework for you type A overachievers that want to practically put this into some brass tacks, get down to business action. And I, I thought up, I'm, I'm getting really excited about thinking up these weird hashtags. Uh, it's become a new hobby of mine and I'm trying to think of the weirdest hashtags possible so that, you know, first of all, so that there's no other people using these hashtags, but also because it's just, I like the idea of you tagging this with the weirdest hashtags and your followers being like, what the heck does that mean? Uh, and this is, this is the hashtag for this week. It's hashtag CPT pool necklace because this episode is supposed to be your pool necklace. This episode is that hashtag is supposed to be the magic pool necklace that your cousin Devin, aka Dr. Pizza, me, gives you to dive deep into the deep end of creativity. And here's what I want you to do. Here's the challenge. On Instagram, I want what well, you can do this if you're a musician. You can tape yourself playing a song, whatever you want to do. It doesn't have to be just illustrators or visual artists, but whatever, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put your final piece on the main image of Instagram, and then I want you to put a second post within that post on the slider uh, that you can swipe to that catalogs the deep 
work that you did to get there. You know, if it's a piece of visual art, maybe you're gonna show the 10 or 15 or 20 thumbnails that you did or the three final sketches that you chose from or the five different concepts that you worked with. And you can do the same thing with any medium. So I'd love to see that, the proof that you're willing to dive in the deep end with your CPT pool necklace. Uh, <laughs> that's the weekly uh, assignment to turn this into action. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Thank you for the love and support of Creative Pep Talk and being creative pepperonis, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I will, but I. But if you will, you can. And you can be a creative pepperoni. Uh, thank you guys so much for everything and making this stuff happen and sharing it and just being the most lovely people in the universe. Okay, it's my honor to do this podcast. Big old shout out and thanks to Yoni Wolf of the band Y, one of my all-time favorite bands. They are the theme music to this podcast. Big shout out to uh, Nate Utesh of Metavari for uh, for all the other tunes. That stuff's great. You can see hear that. You can't see it. It's music. But you can hear it at soundcloud.com slash metavari. Big thanks to Alex Sugg for editing this podcast so beautifully. Um, go check him out at alexsugg.com. And thank you. And do, man, I do this show. I don't know if you know this, but I do this show because it's the thing that I wish other people were out there doing for me back in the day when I was a youngster, when I was in my early 20s instead of my early 30s. I'm 31 now. And uh, I, and I just, I do it because I remember if I could find a little truth, a little perspective, a little, a little idea that helped me see that, that turned my reality in a different light that gave me hope for progress in my creative career. If I could just find one thing like that every week, it would fuel me for a whole week of more action, more personal work, more emailing, more marketing, more getting myself out there and giving myself over to this creative path. And that is the manifesto behind Creative Pep Talk. How can I deliver you the little bit of pep you need every week that helps you get through another week of adding to the work that gets you where you want to go? Because I don't want you to waste even one week of your life without pushing forward into this destiny. So that's what it's all about. Hope this peps you up. Do whatever it takes to stay pepped up.